0: John, as you come, I just declare that we're getting ready, our hearts are prepared to do some more receiving and some more believing. These words that the Lord has put into your heart and your mouth. I declare it and I pray it. We declare it together. My heart is prepared and my heart, my, my ears are open. Blessed are my spiritual ears. For they hear what you say today. Bless are our spiritual eyes, for they see in your word what you want us to see today, Father. Our hearts are ready. Right now, when your words come to us, we do the believing, we do the receiving and the believing, and then we follow up with the do. If this is not Father's Day music, then I don't know what is. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, you know, for me this is Father's Day music. <laughs> I tell you what, my my spirit, man, my soul is just enjoying. Hallelujah. And so I've got some other things I need to say today, things we need to do, so you may be seated. Thank you guys. Thank you. <laughs> Wow. (laughs) I mean, you've got to preach after that. You know, it's like, wow. What a great... uh, What a great joy it is to be in church and to listen to music like that and sing to the Lord and just enjoy church. Hallelujah. I've got a bit of an echo here. So... Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, Happy Father's Day to all the fathers here. I know we've done all the celebrating and all of that, but uh, I have a message today that uh, when, when the Lord started to minister to me to, to talk about this subject today, you know, <clears throat> I'm generally speaking as a minister, I generally like to live my life every day the same as the other day. And when it comes to church, I'm I'm just in the past, I have not really been someone that has <clears throat> wanted to celebrate occasions that everybody in the world says that we should celebrate. But we are in a place where Uh, I believe that God is wanting to say things to different people in different ways and in different times. So I felt very strongly led of the Lord this week that I should be ministering this to you today. So here's a challenge that you have listening to me. You're looking at me and what you're seeing is a human being standing here. You see my hair nicely combed, and I'm reasonably nicely dressed this morning. I dressed in all jeans in celebration of Father's Day. Yeah, well, I would wear jeans at home, and I would normally wear jeans, so I thought I'd wear jeans today. Anyway, but you see me as a human being, and you see my, my face, you see me standing here, you listen to my voice. But there is something on the inside of me that is far more powerful than what you're seeing. What you're seeing is just the natural man. What's inside of me is the Spirit of God that lives inside of me because I'm a a born-again believer. I have Jesus living in my heart. And you can't see that. You can't see it. You can only see the human being. As I'm talking to you and I share this, different things with me, uh, with you, you might want to sort of analyze it or hear it or have some kind of calculation going on in your head about or, or some things that you might receive or not want to receive. I trust that you will understand that's the enemy just fighting with your mind because unless I'm preaching heresy and, and uh, the Word of God... Is truth, and so unless I'm preaching something that's different from what the Word of God says, then uh, you should be receiving it, and you should have a heart that's ready to receive it. But the, the being inside of me is far more powerful than what you're looking at. The thoughts and the intellect that I can bring to any conversation with you is far less effective and powerful than the spirit man that is in me. So the most powerful part of my being, you can't see. So I ask you today, and you'll see how this leads into my message in a minute or two, but I ask you today, do I have a job or do I have a calling? So, but maybe I've got both, right? So if I've got a calling, then I also have a job. If I have a job, it doesn't necessarily mean to say I have a calling. Or I'm operating in my... We all have a calling, but if I'm operating in a job, it doesn't necessarily mean to say I'm operating in my calling. So where is my spirit being most powerful? My spirit being is most powerful when I'm in my job and my calling. Then my spirit man can align my activities and what I do as a worship to God because... My job and my calling are functioning together. Amen. Amen. So, <clears throat> today I'm in mean doing my job. You not doing your job today. Well, I suppose you've been part of the body, which is a fellowship thing. But today I'm, I'm squarely in my job today. And today you see more of my job than you will see of my job almost any other day of the week. So you won't necessarily see what my job does. What you see is the effects of my job when you come to church on Sunday. Right? So, but today you see a big part of my job, which is to stand here and operate in my calling. Now, if I was involved in my job every day in the week, but I didn't come and stand in the pulpit, then I would be not obeying God because my job and my calling are to do this, to be a messenger of God to you. So, I've been speaking to you over the last couple of weeks about how we are functioning as, as human beings. We are directly, squarely in an eternal conflict. And you're either operating in darkness or you're operating in light. If you're a Christian and you're not making progress in your spiritual life, then you're decreasing in your spiritual life. And so, if you're praying, that's a good thing. If you're reading the Bible, that's a good thing. But you need to be seeking what God's calling and assignment is for your life. Because only then can you truly be effective in the kingdom of God. And only then can you truly be in a position where the blessing of God can flow to you. Because I've been talking to you about God's beloved, favored ones. And while God loves the whole world, he has a special place for his children in his heart. He's the father of all children that come to know him through Jesus. He's the father. So today is Father's Day. As the world says we should celebrate Father's Day. Well, he's the father of all children that accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Then he becomes your heavenly father. As a heavenly father, he's got some things that he wants you to have. So I'm going to just connect the last couple of weeks message to this week's message. And then I'll go into it further. And I said, God never dominates. He is love and draws people through his goodness and justice based on the foundation of his love. So he does not try to dominate anybody. He doesn't try to control your will. He lets you choose whatever you want to choose. He draws you with his love and his goodness. And it's on the basis, on the basis of on, and the foundation of his mercy and his justice. That's the foundation of God. So. When you and I. Approach God. We have to believe that he is. Because you can't see him. Have any of you seen God? If you put up your hand, then I'd say you lie, Because God said nobody can see my face and live. He said that to Moses. Anyway. You, you know, I know that there are people that have seen Jesus and they've seen Jesus in a vision and they've had personal encounters with Jesus. Jesus, namely Kenneth Hagin. Even this this last week, I was listening to Kenneth Hagin, and he was talking about how Jesus came and sat in his room and talked to him for forty-five minutes, and and he saw Jesus talking to him. Well, I mean, that's something that I would like to have. I know Kenneth Copeland has said that. Uh, many times in the 50 odd years that I've heard him minister, he said, I would love to have Jesus come and talk to me like he did with Kenneth Hagan, but he never has. And he says, But my, and, and he goes on to say, But my relationship with him doesn't depend on Jesus coming to visit me because I believe he is. I believe he is. I believe God the Father is my Father and I believe Jesus is my Savior. I believe it. So if I believe it, then I've got to live like I believe it. I can't live like I don't believe it. Right? Okay. So today, we're going to be, going to be talking about fathers. And uh, the Lord has been on my case. And in fact, I, I, I'm going to say to you that... Uh, if you have any questions, if you're, if you're a female or a male that is here today, um, and you have questions about what I'm preaching today, I, re- I suggest that you send them in, and you send them in via um, email or whatever you want. And, um, and let me see if I can address them either on a digital platform or if God wants me to do more about this. I'm going to start with reading out of the book of Malachi. Now, most people, when you read out of the book of Malachi, you think I'm going to preach on tithing. So, but I want to just remind you that the book of Malachi talks about the relationship that the children of Israel have with God. And that they've got attitudes toward God. They've got words against God and they don't tithe because they say, Look at the whole world doesn't tithe and they are blessed and they live with joy and they have all that. And we walk around like mourners because we're giving our money away. And so God says, because your words and your attitude is against me, I have to judge that. And so he says, but if you serve me and if you love me and if you keep my commandments, then I can bless you and I can open the windows of heaven. And that means keep on blessing you. Amen. You have to believe that too. Now... After you've read all of that in Malachi, you get to chapter 4 and verse 5 says, Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. So there is a definite God-ordained relationship that must exist, that the hearts of fathers must be towards their sons and their sons to their fathers. Now, I just want to make it clear that although I'm talking about men today, in particular fathers, because it's Father's Day, I want you to, I want you to realize that this relationship exists In principle and foundation between mothers and sons, and mothers and daughters, and daughters and fathers. Although this is speaking about sons and, and, and fathers, it refers to all relationships between children and parents and parents and children. So, we go to Luke chapter 1, verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared... To him, this is Zechariah, standing on the right hand, the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled. And fear fell upon him. Well, I'll tell you what. If you find yourself in the presence of God and the glory of God and the light of God shines, you will instantly be aware of just how human you are. And you will instantly be aware that the glory of God with all his might and power is in your presence, and you will be instantly um, in- instantly your heart will be full of repentance. My pastor that I served for 19 years in the ministry that God called him to he had uh, he told a story one day where he had an encounter with the glory of God. Um, he was aware that the glory of God, maybe the person of the of of Jesus came into his into his bathroom while he was in the shower. Certainly, he talked about the glory of God that came into his bathroom while he was in the shower and the glory of God, the shining glory of God, appeared so strongly, was so evident and was so powerful in the bathroom that even though he was in the shower, he instantly he fell on his knees and began to began to understand. That in His humanity, God could wipe Him out in a second because when you become aware of the powerful presence and the, and the awesomeness of how mighty God is, you can't help but in your humanity just kneel and bow before Him because He is eternal, almighty God. But for you and me, He's our Father. For you and me, He's our Father. For the world out there, He's the judge of the, all, of the whole world which is handed over to the son. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. Now I want you just to remember the statement, for your prayer is heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. And you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness And many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit. Even from his mother's womb. Let me tell you, if you don't from this... um, Uh, reference of the birth of John the Baptist. If you don't understand that God God has a calling for you and me before we are born, and that even in the womb of your mother, God, by the Holy Spirit, is resting upon you to bring you into your assignment, that He predicted long before the world began that you should operate in assignment, then you have not yet come to understand the revelation that you are called for much greater than just doing whatever pleases you. Yeah. For he, So he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. So he will go He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. So this prophet, John the Baptist, is going to have the spirit of Elijah in his calling. What's that look like? To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So this scripture is telling us, That when God was getting ready to birth Jesus into the earth, he had a messenger prepared beforehand that as he would come into the earth, this messenger would already be preparing everybody around him in the world. He would be preparing them for this event that was going to happen where the Son of God was going to be born into the earth by a virgin. So this messenger that is born is filled with the Holy Spirit even in his mother's womb. When he's born, he's going to come with the spirit of Elijah and he's going to begin to preach. And when he preaches, he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. So, just two things I want to say here. Before God is about to do something really spectacular. In other words, all of the prophecies, everything eternal. The one thing that he, that the angel, and you will see in a minute which angel came to talk to him. But the angel, maybe I've, it's the the archangel uh, 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 Gabriel that comes to talk to him. So, Gabriel is the one who stands in the presence of the Lord. And he tells Zacharias this, that I come from the presence of the Lord. And he comes to tell him that he's going to, this child that's going to be born is going to turn the hearts of the ch- fathers to the children. What? I mean, this archangel Gabriel could be saying just about anything about the future of the world to come. And what, that John the Baptist is going to baptize Jesus? He could have told him many, many things and yet he tells him that he's going to have the spirit of Elijah. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Wow. Powerful. I mean, this is about relationship. Whatever, whatever else was about to be happening with Jesus coming into the earth and John the Baptist coming into the earth, the fact that he was going to die on the cross, it's all about relationship. And the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, if you are disobeying God in any form in your life, you will have to, about to bow to the wisdom of the just. Because a just person understands the wisdom of God. And a just person that is walking in the wisdom of God, disobedience cannot stand in the presence or has to bow in the presence of the just. Because disobedience is rebellion and is part of light, of, of darkness and the disobedient to the widow, just and to make ready a people prepared for the lord so this is a powerful story about what god is going to do right before jesus comes right before jesus is about to manifest on the earth as lord and zechariah said to the angel how shall i know this for i am an old man hold on a minute hold on a minute do you remember that little statement i said to you do not be afraid, Zacharias. for your prayer is heard. He says, How will I know for this? For I'm an old man. Huh. Watch, watch now, watch now. I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. In other words, how is it possible that we can have children? So he already in he's already in the space where he age wise. We're beyond having children. So when was he praying for them to have children? He hadn't He hadn't prayed in a long time that they were going to have children because he's already arguing with the angel that they're too old to have children. So he has an angel standing before him. What do you think was going on in his mind before the angel came? I'm praying, Lord, please, can we have children? And I'm this old and she's old. He wasn't praying that. He hadn't prayed that for a long time. But he prayed it a long time ago. He did pray it. And so the angel came and said, Your prayers have been heard. Well, why didn't you tell me that 20 years ago? It wasn't necessary 20 years ago. The time wasn't right 20 years ago. I only came to answer your prayers when it was time for Jesus to come. Huh. And the angel answered and said to him, (laughs) so he's arguing with this angel, he's in fear of his life, and the angel says, don't worry, you know. And Gabriel says, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. Remember, there was an angel that came to speak to Daniel. We talked about that last week. And, uh, but the, dan- this, the angel that came had to get Michael, an archangel, to come and help him. This is Gabriel, the chiefest of all the angels that's come to deliver this message to Zacharias. Why? Because this was the most important thing that could be said eternally to Zacharias. Because a messenger has to prepare the way of the Lord. Wow. Wow. So behold, so I'm Gabriel who stands in the presence of the Lord and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be filled in their own time. Now he's come to bring words and he's speaking words that will be fulfilled in the right time in their own time. So, I want to say to you, if you are speaking the word of God, do not quit because God hasn't answered your prayers or yet responded to your words. Because in the right time, and if you keep believing, they will come to pass. Zechariah didn't believe it, so the angel had to actually say, you will not be able to speak because you may not speak against this in- This thing that God has got to bring into the earth. Your words are so powerful that you can stop this thing and I'm going to shut your mouth so you can't stop this thing. And we just think that we can say any words we want to and then then God must answer us. Your words have such a lot of power, they create your world. Your words create your world. Whether they are the words for light or they are the words for darkness. Whether they are words for assignment or whether they are words for self-assignment. self, self assignment. Yeah. Your words create your world. I, uh, I need your handbag, please, Pastor Sharon. I just need the color, that's all. Thank you. So, I mean, I, I, I just have an object that I'm using here. And I want to tell you that I see this object as black. This, is, this object is black. I see it as black. Don't you see that as black? You don't see it as black? I see it as black. You don't see it as black? What color do you see it as? What, say again? You see it as blue? I don't see it as blue, I see it as black. How, How can you tell me what I see? Huh? How can you tell me what I see? I see this as black. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you say. I see this as black. And you all say? No, you see it as blue. Thank you, Pastor Sharon. Please take your black bag back. (laughs) So you're all in disagree with me that I see it as black. But what if I told you that my eyes have been affected by something, and I don't see all the colors in the spectrum, and so I see it as black, and you say, then what is the color to me? What is the color to me? It's black to me. So how can you tell me I don't see it as blue when it is blue Well, I see it as black? I see it as black, so I will believe that it's black because I see it as black. So, the fact that I don't have all the color spectrums in my eyes doesn't change the fact that you think it's blue. Who says your eyes are right? Just by the way, who says your eyes are right? Come on, let, I, I, I'm doing this on purpose. you you got to work with me here. Who says your eyes are right? What a, I'm sure you're going to say that, and you should probably say that it's, it's blue because everybody else says it's blue. So then everybody else is also right. And so all their eyes are also right. Because everybody says it's blue, it must be blue. Huh? So you're going to believe it's blue because everybody else says it's blue. How do you know what color your eyes are seeing? Come on, how do you know what color your eyes are seeing? you just believing it's blue because everybody else says it's blue. I say it's black. So, let's just say I have a greater spectrum of colors than you have. And I see it as black because I see through all of the things that made it what color you see it. And at the base of it is black. And I see through all of that, and I see black at the on the base of it, and you see blue because there's other colours that have been put on it that makes it look blue to you. So maybe my eyes are better than your eyes, <laughs> but you all think it's blue because everybody else says it's blue. How do you know that you see it as blue? cuz it's blue. Huh? That's what you want to say. Cuz it's blue. Why are you why are you keep on pressing this point? Just because everybody else says God must work one way doesn't mean to say God is going to work that way for you. God doesn't work because so many voices say it's one way when God says it's a different way. Who says it what it is? If God says it's one way, I don't care how many people say it's different. But you can't see what God says. Hello? So now I want to just talk for a minute. Who heard God? Who heard Zechariah's prayers? Who heard them? God God heard them. So everybody else was probably saying, Elizabeth... And Zechariah can never have children because somehow God has never wanted to bless them with children. It didn't matter what they were saying all the years that the physical condition of her pregnancy had not yet been revealed. God had determined way beforehand that Zechariah would pray the prayer that Elizabeth would be pregnant. And he would answer, but not just with any child. He would answer with John the Baptist who would bring in the messenger of Jesus. He'd be the messenger of Jesus. And so he could not say to Zechariah way ahead of time, don't worry boy, you're going to have a child even when you don't think you're going to have a child. He couldn't do it because even when he came to tell him with an angel, he didn't believe it. But God said it. And so then what was anybody else to do about it? Let me tell you, for nothing, free of charge, what I'm going to say now. I don't care what anybody says about what's right or wrong in the Bible. If I read it there, and I believe it there, I don't care what anybody else says about it. The Bible is my source. The Bible is my source. The Word of God is my source of my world. Not my intelligence. Not my deep thinking. Not my education. Not my talent. Not anybody else. Not anything else. God is my source. I believe God is my source. So how do you know? So Pastor John, I mean, do you really believe that? Well, if you've been around me long enough, you will know that not only has my personal lifestyle been challenged by many, but my whole calling has been challenged by many. I, I, I you know, if I could play you some of the stuff that Pastor Sharon, I've been listening to, Brother Hagen. This week he talked about, we were listening to a message of his, and uh, and uh, he was talking about 1949. Sounds a long time ago. It was a long time ago. 1949, for five months, there were more demons unleashed against him and his ministry in 1949 for five months that he, he almost couldn't stand it and almost couldn't get through it. And he's talking to a, church full of students, hundreds and thousands of students that had come to Ramah and he's saying, the enemy of God came against me to make me quit or to kill me in 1949 because he knew that the anointing of God and the assignment of God was on my life for this and he talked about this because this is what God wanted to bring about. And I stand here today after Kenneth Hagin has been died for about, has died maybe 13 years ago. And he had all these visions and things from God from 1930s already, where God revealed him. And I stand here today saying, most of my learnings of the word of God came from a man that is gone already. And I'm still listening to his messages. And I'm still being encouraged in my faith. And God called him all those years ago so that his messages could come to you and me now. God's words are eternal, they never stop. His assignment is eternal, it never stops. Yeah. And even though he's gone to be with the Lord, even now he's, he's he stand before God and he's believing in God exists eternally. That's how you know that your assignment is, is a God-given assignment. Hallelujah. It rewards you eternally. If you want the reward of men, you get the reward of men. If you want the reward from God, God says He will give it to you. The Word of God says, you must believe, you must believe that God is the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Amen. He's the rewarder of who? The, the diligent seekers. Of who? Him. Not me, my ways, Him. Amen. So I can't I can't see what you believe. You can't see what I believe. What you can see is the way I live my life, whether my lifestyle matches up with what I believe. Come on now, come talk to me. If you come and you and you come and hang out with me and Pastor Sharon and and you, you look at our lifestyle and you hear the things. You, you can't stay in, around our presence very long and we'll be talking about Jesus. And we're talking about the things of God. And even if we spend time talking about sport or about cycling or about doing whatever, pretty soon something's going to come out of our mouths and we're going to start glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. And we're going to start giving God the glory. Because don't, I don't just stand here on a Sunday and behave like this. I behave like this all week long. All the time. So God has turned my heart as a son to the father. And his heart, the father, is towards me as a son. This is good news for you. Sons of God. His heart is towards you. Okay. So you've heard. If you've been here for a while, if you haven't, this might be new for you today. But if you've been here for a while, you will know that God gave me a revelation many years ago, which has become a fundamental part of my life. And I I have a strong plan line because of that revelation. I always ask myself, always ask myself, if I'm thinking with reason and I'm thinking with What my and I'm looking at my reality and what's relevant to me, I always have to take my reason and my reality and all of this relevance that's relevant to my natural man, and I've got to step over into the place of God and say, how do I live redemptively with this reason? How do I live redemptively with this reality? Because I've got to move over to redemption. Because if I just live in reason and reality and things that are relevant to me, I can never have the breakthroughs that God wants me to have. I've got to move over from reason and reality and the things that are relevant to me. And I've got to step over to redemption. That's right. And I've got to live in redemption so that I can live in re- revelation. I can't live without God revealing to me words that make my life full and abundant. And I feed off his words. That's called revelation to me. Of his redemption for me, I must have a rebe- revelation of his redemption in every peri- every area of my life, because when I have a revelation of his redemption, then when i 'm looking at my reason and my reality, I say, "What part of this reason and reality is in line with the Word of God, and what is not? Because the minute I have something like money 's not coming through or sickness is in my body." Or a relationship is not working and I look at the reasons why it's not working and I express the reality of that in my world that's relevant to me. I bring no redemption to it. I get stuck there and I can only be human. So, what has God called you to be, son of God? Your heavenly father doesn't want you to live as humans. He wants you to live as spirit being humans full of the life of Christ, being humans. He doesn't want you to live just as humans. It's anybody can live as humans. It doesn't take a genius to live as a human. You get up in the morning, even if you're as poor as poor, you get up in the morning, you're going to eat something, you want to try, you want to try and have something as part of your life. Human, human beings comes as easy as it is Breathing. But to be a spirit-filled, spirit-life human being. That's what God wants you to be. Okay. So, if I live in redemption and revelation, then my revolution must come in the form of repentance. How so? Well, the minute I see... My reason and my relevance and my reality is only my human condition. I apply redemption. God gives me revelation. I can't keep living the way I was just in reason and reality. Yeah. I've got to change my mind and live in redemption and revelation to be spiritual. Yeah. I have to change my mind. What's changing your mind? Repentance. Repentance is what creates the revolution. You can't have a revolution without repentance, spiritually speaking. You can't. You've got to to change your mind about something and then you've got to start behaving differently. You can't behave the same way after you've changed your mind. Because then you didn't really change your mind. So then you go back to your reality and your reason lifestyle. So where does the devil want you to live? Okay, I'm going to get to that question a bit later. I'm going to ask you this question. What constitutes a good father? What makes a good father? So to be clear, any man can be a biological representation of fatherhood. Man. Man can make baby. Man that makes baby isn't necessarily father. He's the biological reproductive father. But man that makes baby doesn't necessarily man make father. Father is a choice. Manhood can come just because something happens with a girl. So what does reason and reality about manhood mean today? So, if you go back, I'm just going to go back a couple of hundred years. A couple of hundred years ago, women couldn't vote Women stayed at home. They reproduced children. They didn't work. They didn't vote. They didn't have any place in society other than they were housekeepers. Men made the money. Men did the protecting. Men went and uh, did the voting. Men did all the debating about uh, economic and political issues. So, are you are you are you with me? So. Men did not regard women as inferior. They just, men saw the woman as having a role to play and men having a role to play. Some of their ideas were a bit wrong. Let's say they were not enlightened. They didn't have revelation. So then, a couple of hundred years passed forward and suddenly women are considered to be equal to men. They can vote, they can work, they can do many things, and have babies, and be in the home, and they can do many things. So women are now considered to be equal to men. So there is still a difference between a man and a woman. It is definitely biological. But it can be more than biological, and it's almost always psychological. Men are different to women. Uh, let's call it emotional, call it whatever. I'm using the word psychological just because it covers the whole spectrum. Okay? So now, in, a, in the last 10 or 20 years, there's come a rhetoric in the world that uh, women's rights... There's all this rhetoric in the world about women's rights. So what has that done to men? It's created a manhood crisis. Now I'm using these words, men and women, on purpose, because it's created a manhood crisis. Because men are, women are liberated to be in every space men are, but there's one thing that a man can't do is have a baby. So you got this, You got this whole thing that's happened of women's liberation and women's m- feminist movements that's happened. And they mostly talk about societal issues and career issues where there is a glass ceiling and men occupy the boardrooms and men do all of that and women need to do this. This thing doesn't just happen at the, at the corporate level. This thing is happening in every sphere of society. Where men are no longer sure of what they need to be doing in how they should have relationships and how they should behave themselves. Because not only is there a question of what role the woman plays, but now men are with men and women are with women. And so now everything is confusing the man. Some women are confused too, but for the most part the role of a man has been confused. So, if we consider the fact that all these issues are about your manhood and about manhood in general, now let's take those issues and put them in fatherhood. So, what what does reason and reality... Now, just bear with me while I go through this with you. What does reason and reality say about fatherhood? So, reason and reality would say, fatherhood is about provision about protection, and about potential. So fatherhood, the reason and the reality of days gone by, men would be the providers, men would be the protectors, and men would create an environment where their children's potential could be released. Yes? Okay. So the role of man has got to have an impact on the role of father. Especially, you know, everybody's questioning about the legitimacy of fatherhood nowadays because unfortunately there are fathers that abuse their kids. But that doesn't mean to say that all fathers are going to be treated that way. But the enemy of God wants all fathers to be treated like child abusers because that further undermines the power of a man and the power of a father. So, what does reason and reality say about fatherhood? Is fatherhood about provision? So, what does provision look like today? So 300 years ago, 200 years ago, provision was a man would do whatever he could, whether it was a farmer or he was a lawyer or whatever he was. He would go and be the provider. Right? So what does provision look like today? Does it mean that if you make more money, you are more of a father? If you make less money, does it mean you're less of a father? So fatherhood and manhood cannot be represented by money, how much you earn or you don't earn. But do you think that there's a subtle underlying drive for identity reality that says the more money I make, the more my status improves as a man and as a father. It's not spoken about like this, but it's happening subtly in society, isn't it? So it's happening subconsciously. Where is it coming from? That the more the more you make, the better provider you are. The better the man you are, the better the father you are. What about protection? So if you're stronger than another man or a group of men, does that make you a better father just because you're stronger? Or does it make you less of a father if you're weaker than another man? So the strength of a man has got nothing to do with whether you're a good man or a good father. Come on, work with me here. I'm taking you through reason and reality because we have this idea in society subconsciously that the better you are in the societal realms and the more you can speak about yourself and the more you can give potential to your kids, the better father you are and the better man you are. So, what about the potential of your children? Are you a better father if you give more potential to your children or create more opportunity for potential to be given, or are you less of a father if you can 't give that many that much potential come on i 'm touching on the heart of matters now Does that make me so if I can't send my son to university because I don't have the finances to do it, does that make me less of a father than someone else who's got money that can send his son to university? No. Doesn't make me less of a father. It just means someone else got more money than me. Does it make him a better man? No. Doesn't. Just means he's got more money. Yeah. Some of the worst men in the world have had lots of money. That's right. Ask Al Capone. Yeah. Ask the Guptas. I mean, they have the worst values in the world and they are very rich. And so you think that makes them better men and makes them better fathers because they've got all these things that they can give their families? Makes them rubbish. Excuse me. People that prey on other people like that, they need to be brought to justice. They do. So... So then where, what makes me relevant as a man? What makes me relevant as a father? Where does my redemption come in as a father and as a, as a, as a man? Where does my redemption come in? Well, it can't start by what society tells me it is. Because everybody in society today says it's going to be blue. And God says it's black. And so who cares what society says about what a man should be and what a father should be? It's what God says that matters. And God says it's black. That's right. wow. Yes. To be a man and to be a father means you've got to be someone that lives for God. Doesn't matter how much money you've got and how much potential you can give your kids. I'll tell you what. If you can be a godly man to your children and to your family, you're giving them much more than you can provide for them financially and anything else. Because they will grow up knowing what the will of God is, not what provision and what potential and what protection means to them. Because they'll get it all in God because you'll get it from God. So where do all these these ideologies and these all these... Things happen about life. Where do they come from that affect us so much? So it doesn't even get preached in most churches today. Girls, don't sleep with a man until you're married to him. Man, don't sleep with a girl until you're married to her. Doesn't get preached in church anymore. Why not? Because the world says it's okay to sleep around before you get married. In fact, it's encouraged because how will you know whether you're actually compatible or not until you sleep with each other? But the Bible says, don't do it. So who's right and wrong? Just because the world says it's blue. God's got a vision and a sight about these things because He's God. And He says, don't do it. It's black. Well, yeah, yeah. Everybody says it 's okay and, 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 and it's, you know, it feels like well, you know in the moment it feels like you, wow, you know that 's the point. The enemy of God wants you to live in the moment with your reality, your reason, and something that 's relevant to you he doesn 't want you to think about redemption he doesn 't want you to think about the revelation that god 's given you he doesn 't want you to think about a revolution of I won't do this, I'll believe God for the woman, I'll believe God for the man, and then when we are intimate together, we will have God's blessing on it, we'll have His glory on it, and it will be better than anything that the blue people say it can be. I don't care what the world says, the Bible is my source, I believe the Bible, and I live according to the Bible. I don't care how much they tell me it's blue. For though, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, for though we walk and live in the flesh, we are not carrying out or carrying on our warfare according to the flesh and using mere human weapons. I'm not fighting whatever it is that you're doing. I'm not fighting you. I'm fighting the spirit that's driving you. That's driving your thinking. That's driving your emotions. That's driving your actions. I'm fighting the spirit that's driving you, not you. Come on. So how do I I fight these spirits that are affecting our thoughts? For the weapons of our warfare are not physical. Weapons of flesh and blood. But they are mighty before God. They are mighty before God. For the overthrow and the destruction of strongholds. Come on now, I'm, gonna, I'm addressing this directly this morning. Inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we lead every thought captive, away captive, into the obedience of Christ. So, where's the war happening? Where's the war happening? It's in your head. Because if it can happen in your thoughts, and your head, and your emotions, then the devil's got a stronghold in your life that you keep thinking that way. Because if you keep thinking it's okay to sleep around before you get married, then you're going to keep doing it before you do it, before you get married. I'm just using one example. And so the world would say to you, you've got to go and buy a house as soon as you can because the quicker you get into the house market, the quicker, I mean, house prices are going to accelerate, they're going to grow. And so you've got to go and buy a house, you've got to get into the house market as soon as possible. They tell you that it's blue. What does God say? Seek me first and my kingdom and my righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Say what? If you read the whole of the rest of that scripture, he knows what the birds are. He knows the hairs on your head. He knows everything that's in the field. He cares for all of the creatures. Won't he care much more for you? So all you've got to do is seek him and he adds it. That's the black message. Not the blue message. Oh, but you're getting behind, you're getting behind. You've got, to, you've, got to grow your, you've got to grow your investment, you've got to grow your wealth, you've got to grow your wealth. That's not what God says. There's a story that Jesus talks about. So I'm, I'm trying to. I've got a timer going, yeah. I'm doing my best this morning. I'm trying to work according to my timer. <laughs> so, you know, Jesus tells a story about a man that he's got all these bonds. And he's got all these barns filled with grain and he's all happy. And he says, no, man, you know, I'm doing so well. I can't even have these little barns anymore. I've got to tear them down and build bigger barns so that I can store and hoard more stuff. And so his whole focus is on what he can have in his life. And the Lord says, your focus is on the wrong thing. Tonight your soul is required of you. And then what? then all of your money means nothing huh yeah. so money doesn't make me a better man and money man doesn't make me a better father what makes me a better man and a better father my desire to believe god that there are things that i have to be redeemed from thoughts a lack of knowledge that once the devil wants to devour my life because I have a lack of knowledge. So I have to be redeemed from my thoughts and I have to get more knowledge from the word revelation. Because if I keep my thoughts captive and I use the revelation of God, I'm being redeemed from bad thoughts and I'm living in the good ideas that God's got for me. I start a revolution in my life because I repent from everything that body's telling me that it's blue. Pastor Shannon, can I borrow your handbag again, please? I'm just making sure that we all understand. We all understand that when I'm talking about blue, I'm talking about you see this as blue. I say it's black. And so we are not going to, I'm just making sure that we, nobody is misunderstanding me that God's giving us a black message. Because I know people can take sound bites and they can talk about sound bites and they can make it say anything they want to say. But that's not the spirit of this message. The spirit of this message is to tell you that it doesn't matter what the world tells you, you need to be doing. God's got another focus for your life. God's idea of fatherhood and manhood and motherhood and being uh, being a good daughter or good child. First of all to God the Father, then to your human father. Well, you learn it first in the early years of your life by by obeying your father and your mother, because they should be teaching you the ways of the Lord, not the ways of the blue talk. Sorry. Thank you, Pastor Sharon. Thank you, MP. So, let me tell you, the world wants to train your eyes to see that thing as blue. So that when God tells you it's black, you say, everybody else says it's blue, so I don't have to believe what God says. I've got to go with what the world is saying it's blue because everybody else says it. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's got to be right. Pastor John, your eyes are a bit squiff. My eyes are not squiff. I'm seeing them through God's eyes. And so when I tell you that I'm seeing things as God's eyes. The book of Corinthians, chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, says that the wisdom, the foolishness of God, the, the wisdom of... Hmm. The foolishness of, of God is... No. I better get there. I better get to the Corinthians. Let me get my Bible out here. Let me get to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let me get there. Yeah. Verse, uh, verse, uh, I'm going to read from verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that we have have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but what the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. You see, when you are not spiritual and you hear spiritual things and you're not spiritual, spiritual things, seems, things seem foolish to you. you. You can't tell me that everybody in the world says it's blue. You can't tell me that that's black. If you're spiritual, you'll understand it's black. Because that's what God says. If you're not spiritual... The spiritual talk and the spiritual things that happen around you, they just kind of, you'll touch them, you'll touch them, you'll understand them a little bit, you'll understand them, but you'll be like the book of uh, James says, you'll be like a ship tossed to and fro on the sea. You'll go this way and this way and every wave of doctrine, every wave of ideology, every wave of something that's about to happen or not about to happen is going to move you this way or that. So, John chapter 6, verse 26. My timer says I have six minutes left. What? <laughs> Jesus, six... Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to speak. I'm trying to get all my, my ideas out to you as quickly as I can. All the things the Lord gave me to give you. John chapter 6 verse 26 says Jesus answered them and said most assuredly I say to you you seek me not because you saw the signs but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. He just fed 5,000 people. Do not labor for the food which perishes. What does that say? Do not labor for food. But do not labor for food. So, now what makes me a better man? What makes me a better father? When I put the laboring in the right order, when I'm laboring for God for the everlasting the the food which endures to everlasting life. When I'm laboring for that food, then then God answers my labor for the natural food. Amen. That's right. Yes. This is the same as Matthew chapter six, verse thirty three. Ah. So do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. In other words, you seek him, because the seal of God is on me. All your needs are taken care of. Just seek me. Then they said to him, what shall we do, that we may work the works of God? Just in case you thought this was some kind of a high spiritual stuff, they understood that what Jesus was saying, don't work with your hands, work for the labor that lasts, ele- ev- that has everlasting life. So they asked him the question, what is the work? Then, what is it? What are the works, the work for the works of God? And Jesus answered there, said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who sent, whom, him who he sent. Therefore, they said to him, so, I mean, he's talking about, hey, you don't have to work for your hands. Just believe on him who God has sent. That's why I keep asking you this question every day, every Sunday. Do you believe? Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you believe. You may may believe that Jesus is the son of God and that you're going to go and be with him eternally. But you need to believe that by worshiping him and giving your life to him, you don't have to labor for food. But the world will tell you, you have to labor for food. So then you're going to say to him, well, Pastor John, why the scripture says if you don't work, you won't eat? He's just telling them what kind of work you must do first. So what work we must do? He said, believe uh, believe in him whom he sent, the father sent. Therefore they said to him, what sign will you perform then? That we may see it and believe you. So these these disciples are standing talking to Jesus. They're talking to Jesus. What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. I ask you this question. If you are full spiritually, will you hunger naturally? Yeah. If you hunger naturally, can you still... If you are full, if you are full naturally, can you still be hungry spiritually? Yeah. Yeah. Hunger is not satisfied because you eat croissants. And jam and thick butter spread on a warm croissant with a fresh brewed cappuccino. Okay, I'm moving on. <laughs> <laughs> For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will. No, I must go back. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me. The fathers and the sons. He's turning the hearts of the fathers to the sons. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing. But should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me. That everyone. My alarm just went off. I'm nearly finished. This is the will of the father who sent me. That of all he has given me. I should lose nothing. But should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me. That everyone who sees the son. And believes in him. May have everlasting life. And I will raise him up. At the last day. So I'm just wanting you to see. That Jesus priority was always for the disciples to believe that he was the son of God. And that he and the father were one. He was the Messiah. The two were one. John chapter 8 verse 19 says. Then they said to him. Where is your father? Jesus answered. "You You know neither me nor my father. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. So this tells me straight away that in order to have all the blessings of the Father, you must know the Son. And the Son and the Father are one, so you must know the Word of God, you must be in the Word of God, and you must be in the life of God. John 14 verse 6. This is my last passage of scripture and I'm going to read it all the way through. Jesus said to him, John 14, verse 6 to 21. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. How? Because you've seen me, Jesus said. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? I ask you Christians, have you been in church so long and yet you don't know him? Have you been in church? Have you been listening to the word of God for so long and yet you don't know him? Well, in some ways it doesn't surprise me because the devil is always trying to make a stronghold in your mind and cause you to live in reason and reality and relevance. Whereas God says, "You have to be in your human body, which includes reason, relevance, and reality. You have to be in your human body, but you must step over and and live in redemption and revelation, so that you can live in a revolution. That means you live the way the Father wants you to live." That's right. Amen. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, "Show us the Father"? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? Do you not believe it? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. And neither do I stand here today and speak to you on my own authority. I come here doing the best that I can, prayed up uh, before the Lord, meditating in the Word of God to bring you this message. I do not speak on my own authority. I bring this, this w- by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Word that of God that I'm reading to you. Yes, that's right. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. You see, if I had to tell you some of the works that God has done in our lives, miracles that God has done in our lives, you wouldn't wouldn't believe me. But if you did believe me, you would probably say, well, that's because you're the pastor and you're in a position where because you're the pastor, things come to you. No, I'm in this position because I obeyed God. There are, I promise you, there are many, many pastors in the world that are sick, they're poor, they've divorced, they've got poor lifestyles, and they're pastors. Just because you're a pastor doesn't mean that you can have what the Father's got for you. You've got to live the life and you've got to believe in Him. You've got to believe in Him. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. The greater works than these, he will do because I go to be with my Father. What does that mean? It means that just all of us can be doing the same works at the same time, so we're a greater number of people that can do the works. Very simply, that's an answer. There might be other answers, but that's an answer. We can all believe God. We can all use our faith. We can all lay hands on the sick. And they can all recover. And we can all raise the dead. That's greater works. That's one answer. Others might have other answers for that. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Come on. I'm finished here. I've got one more, two more verses to read of the scripture. What does it say? If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. The Amplified Bible says, if you ask anything in my name as representing all that I am, it means you gotta know him. You can't just ask. You gotta know him. I will do it what you ask. Because my heart is aligned with Him. Well, I just have to say this. The Holy Spirit is prompting me to say this right now. How do you know what the will of God is for your life? If you have a desire in your heart? Let me tell you, if you are not living in the church with the local church as the highest priority besides God in your life, you do not know what the desires of the will of God is for your life. You do not know how to interpret your desires versus God's desires for you. You do not know how to interpret that if you're not involved in the local church. And you're not bringing your gift to the local church. You don't. People have asked me for years, let me tell you, I've, been, I've had this, but even when I was in my previous church, people asked me, they would come to me and say, how do you know the will of God for your life? One of the biggest questions that people want to know is, what's the will of God for my life? And my answer to them is always the same. If you are doing the written word of God, then you can start to ask God for the interpreted will of God of your life. But you can't ask God for the interpreted will of God for your life when you're not living the written word of God for your life. So, very simply put, I mean... The fact of the matter is is that the Bible says that He's all given us a gift. He's all given us a calling. And it's all so that we can live together as the body of Christ so that we can all come to maturity and we can all be a revelation to the spiritualities and powers. And I'm getting back to last week's message in the heavenlies that Jesus is Lord. And that He is the ruler of all things. The church is the representation of that. Not your will. So when you know God in your heart and you, you worship God in your life and then you put the church as the place where you reveal your love for God all the time, then you can begin to say, all right, Lord, I know. So you're going to, I know this argument. I have family members that argue, have argued this with me for many years and they say, you're just saying that because you want people to come to church because you're the pastor. And so you want to have more people in your church than less people in your church. So obviously you would say that. No, it's not me that commanded that to happen. It's the word of God that says you should not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. It's the word of God that says that he has given you gifts so that we can edify each other up and build each other up and bring each other to maturity. It's the word of God that says it, not me. I told you this when COVID came. I said the COVID came as a direct attack against the church. Because suddenly the church has got to be separated from each other. And when you're not coming and involving yourself in the church with your gifts and understanding what the church is to you, that it releases all of this blessing into your life. If you don't understand it, I can't help that you see it as blue. But it's black. Because God said it's black. I can't help it that you see it as blue. That's your thing that you've got to settle with God that you get black eyes rather than blue eyes. Next week, I think you should all come to church with black, you know, like they do when you get in. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I'll pray the Father, and He will give you a helper. That he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you, and I will not leave you orphans. He has a father speaking, you see, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you a little while longer, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live and you will also, and you will live also. At that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And he who has my commands and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Remember I said to you that there are, the way that God loves you is different to the way that he loves the world. There's a scripture for you. Right there. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm so glad that we are... We serve a heavenly father. That's got it all sorted for us. Amen. Praise Jesus. So, I need to just go back to the, to the beginning of this and I have to say to you. Does having more money make me a better man? Does having more money make me a better father? Does more having more money give my kids more potential, therefore make me a better man and a better father? So what makes me a better man and a better father? It's my heart's desire to discover who God is. And then it's my, it's my obligation before God, as a man and as a father, to live that way in front of my children. Now if you're a man and you're not yet a father you can begin to believe God that you will have a father's heart that is God the father's heart. So that when you do have children, that you live before your children as people and as a man and a woman, mom and dad, that live before God. Give their lives to God. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Glory to God. I feel like I've, I've, I've shot some holy cows today. No, maybe not some holy cows, some very worldly cows. I feel like I've killed, some, I've killed some big giants today. Because there's so much talk about the world system that says it's blue. But God says it's different. And so you have to believe. You have to believe. You've got to believe. You've got to believe. Got to believe. How do I get my belief out, Pastor John? The more I'm in the word, the more I'm taking the word. I can even pray and say, Lord, help me with my unbelief. Help me to believe. The Bible says where you are weak, he will make you strong. He will be strong for you. Praise Jesus. Won't you stand to your feet, please? So did you get something out of the message today? Oh, yes. Hey, yes. praise the Lord, praise Jesus, praise Jesus, praise Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh Jesus. Jesus Jesus Jesus. It is my it's my prayer, Father. It is my desire. You are you are putting this desire in my heart right now to pray for these precious ones and the ones that are hearing this message via digital platform. It is my prayer, Father, that you will reveal to them just how much you have redeemed them from. That they will know the redeeming. Power of Jesus. That they will understand it fully in their heart. It is my prayer, Father, that they will understand that by getting revelation from the Word of God, their lives can change forever. It is my desire, based on what you are causing me to pray by the Holy Spirit, that your peace will rest upon them. Great peace will be upon them, Father. I pray that their minds... Will not be confused by all of the strongholds. And I'm asking you supernaturally to bring light where their minds have been darkened. Your word tells me I can pray that. I pray that you will bring light to their minds where they have had darkness. Bring light, Father. Bring light in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I pray that great joy will be their portion. Great joy, great peace, and great light. And they will understand your great love as a heavenly Father to them. I pray that your people will be blessed this week. They will be blessed by the strength of truth that sets them free. I pray, Father, that the truth of God will penetrate their mind and their hearts. And will penetrate to the deepest core of their spirits. And it will be buried there to bring much fruit. Bear much fruit in their lives, Father. This message that they can trust you as they're in the heavenly Father. That they can believe in you, you, Father. They will know you that way. Hallelujah. Will you just say this? Put your hand on your heart and just say, I'm a son of God. Jesus lives in my heart. He is my Lord and Savior. I am a son of God. And therefore, it is my desire to know him. And to live for him. And He meets all my needs because I love Him. In Jesus name. Hallelujah. I just want to tell you don't be a needs orientated person. Be a God inward minded person. That the power of the Holy Spirit would be released into your life. In Jesus name. Hallelujah. Thank you for coming to church. Have a marvelous, wonderful Father's Day. Father's you have permission to eat as much as you want. Sons, you have permission to eat as much with your fathers as you like to. Daughters, that's up to you. Wives and mothers, that's also up to you. Now and I won't get into too much trouble. <laughs> Bye, everybody.